Hey, what's up, my little kitty cats? This is Brendan with Evoke Bike. I was gonna do a little dance there. This is Cat War Questions, maybe episode 14. I'm not sure where we left off. Got a bunch of them. I've been slacking on this, so we might just crank through more than four. This guy just emailed me, and I wanna get to this because they're actually in relation to the five blocks to racing. Question number one, does it really only take five blocks to start racing? Is more better? So five blocks to racing was really started in, what was it, October, November, December, January, February, so that in October, people realized if you're racing in five blocks, meaning five months, you need to start training. Because a lot of people think, oh, racing starts next year, I'm gonna start training on January 1st. You're kind of a few months behind then. So five blocks is a great way to get teed up so you don't leave yourself with only three. Are more blocks better? Yes, but it really depends. I mean, probably, you know, if you're starting earlier, then you're already talking August and September, and you're probably still racing gravel, maybe cross, maybe some mountain biking, whatever. Really, classically, training starts in October. Um, that's really shifted and changed because there's so much more alternate surface racing going on. But October is a great time to start. October, November, December, January. Then either you're racing February. Even if you're racing later, you can start in October. There's many things you can do with your physiology. Do a block of lactate shuttling. We'll talk about that because I had another athlete up north who was asking like, hey, I'm surprised I'm doing threshold in December. And it's like, well, you need it. We're going to make improvements. It doesn't mean that we're next going to go and like VO2 max you out and just have you absolutely ripping in February. But honestly, as long as you're resting, you can train a lot more than you think. That's another video. Hey, okay, got a couple questions. Hope you don't mind me asking. This guy's first question was in your, so question number two, in your block one video, you mentioned not taxing the body too hard by doing tempo work. Is there a percentage that you would do? And for the midweek midweek rides, should I only be doing tempo work in block one? So tempo, 75 or 76 to 90% FTP. 85 is a great spot to start at. Park it there. You don't need to be really going over 90. Um, I would stick to that midweek for block one. Yes. Um, if that's not clear in the first video, somebody let me know and I'll try and add some notes in there. I also then talk about tempo bursts. And he had said that I mentioned there are 120% FTP bursts for about 10 seconds and then settling back into tempo. A little later, you mentioned the bursts at 3x8 or 3x10. Can you clarify what you mean? So the 3x8 minutes or 3x10 minutes is the total tempo duration. So you're going to ride at that 85 to 90%. And then every two minutes, you've got the 15 second burst to 120% just breaks up the tempo. It's not really working VO2 max. It's gonna also help you start to think and learn to be able to go a little bit above threshold, build up the smallest amount of lactate, super small amount, and then learn, is more controlling the wattage. Learn how to control tempo to VO2 max back and forth. Um, it's really not even working lactate clearance, to be honest. His question three, so question number four, weekend rides. Is there a time that you want to hit for zone two at this point of the year? This question I cannot answer because I have no idea who he is. Excuse me. A lot of people's long ride is three hours. That's a lot of biking when you think about it. Other people, their long ride is five hours. 
you want to start in block one at your like lower end of the long rides. So I was doing like three and a half, four hour rides because my long ride is five and a half or six hours. As you get deeper into the blocks, you want the hours to get bigger and the rides to get longer with endurance, especially as you go through those first three blocks. A lot of times people will do one interval, a long aerobic interval on Saturday, and that allows you to only have to ride two and a half, three hours, which is great because there's other things going on. It's the holiday season. You might not have a ton of time. So use, I don't want to say higher intensity. It's still very aerobic. Um, look through the blocks again, but it's like, you know, 85 to 88%, but you're trying to do it for 45, 60 minutes, all the way out to 120 minutes. So the duration of your weekend ride in zone two depends on how much you previously ride. Um, just you don't have, don't go do six hours if you're normally riding three. Okay, question number five. Hey, I was racing and I have a question for you. Even though I felt really good at the end of the race recently, I was blocked in by the yellow line. So now I'm starting to wonder, even though it would take more energy and burn a few matches to stay closer to the front, should I be doing that in the last few laps of the race so that I can actually get a good sprinting at the end? Guy answered his own question, yes. In a race, and he's definitely talking about a crit, well, we'll talk about a road race also. In a race like a crit, the last three laps is, if it's all together, is the race is to be at the front. Because only the top six guys, let's say, are really sprinting for the win, depending on where the last corner is and things like that. But, you know, a good rule of thumb is be in third or fourth place because the first two guys are going to take any wind. How much wind is there? If there's more wind, you might want a couple other guys in front of you. Um, where's the sprint really going to take off from? Are you a diesel or are you pure like meow sprint? There are factors that <laughs> that affect this, but within the top six people, you're going for the win. The rest of the people are the guys just like sprinting behind everybody. So that's part of the training. Like it's a really hard last few laps because you need to be staying up there and it is surging and and making moves around other people, it, it can get chaotic. So you definitely do want to burn a couple matches to do that. Um, all right, this guy was giving me a recap of a race and he was, we're kind of talking about how you look at your opponents in this one. Um, one thing that he said he had was bad race craft and he's too timid in the bunch. He's been in races before where He's been looking around and it's all the strong guys that he looks up to. This guy is in Ireland where A1s and A2s are like Cat 1s and Cat 2s. Um, I looked around, saw all these really good people, and I was really too starstruck to go. And I actually asked him a follow-up question like, well, what happened at the end of the race? Like, was it the move to go or... You know, in readings through some other things that they go through this valley that's super windy and then it ends on a climb. So that might not have been the time to go, but you need to believe in yourself. And one thing is he also commented, I'm often too conservative in races. After this cup, uh, I attacked more and was bolder. A lot came from the Cycling Ireland Zwift League Racing Series during lockdown. I raced without inhibition and I tried stuff that I normally wouldn't have dreamed of on the road. 
In the B cat, I won in place in several of the rounds. Like Tom Bonin says, sometimes you just need balls to win and I need to be bolder. We actually just made the comment in a pit in the in the video about pivotal points of our racing career of understand that you need to roll the dice in order to win. I think Zwift is great because here's the thing. If you lose, you turn off the TV and you unclip and like you're not in the parking lot with everybody. You don't feel like, oh man, I just screwed up. But you can't think that way if you want to win a bike race. You need to be willing to lose in order to win. You need to be willing to attack the A1s and the A2s in order to win. And I will share, this is story time, so if you don't like stories, you can turn it off right now. Shout out Wayne Bray. I talk about him in another video. Um, we were in the New York State Championship. It was a year that was super stacked. Guys from Canada came down because they heard that it was the state championship, so it was going to be a really hard race. And there were two climbs on Bristol Mountain. And we are racing, and I get in a break with Wayne Bray, who two years before this, I remember him drilling it on the front and just people popping off because he was setting like a solid tempo on a rolly course in Bloomfield, New York, that it was just like... It was amazing the work that he was putting out. And it didn't even look like he was riding. I think I was a Cat 3 then. It was my first year. End of my first. So, no, I was probably a Cat 2 because that would have been the start of the next year. Uh, either way, I got in the break with him at the road race for the New York State Championship. And I was like, well, how am I ever going to beat Wayne? And I initially was like, it's horrible to admit this, but I try to be super transparent with you guys. Um, I was like, man, I've heard people like, you know, talk about making deals. Maybe this guy doesn't really want the jersey. I really want that jersey. He could take the money. And I was like, dude, this is the dumbest thing. Why is this even in my head? No, I'm going to try and figure out how to beat this guy. And we were on a climb. And I had trained a ton that winter. And I always shout out Jason Hillermeyer, who was my coach then. Really helped me understand how to properly train. And I start. I didn't have the mindset then that you have to believe that you can win before the race starts. Uh, I think it's super important. It would have helped me in this situation. But I remember being on the climb and looking at him, and I was like, I don't think he's as strong as I thought he was right now. And it was early in the season. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to attack the dude. And part of it is like if I attack him now and he stays with me, then I'm kind of like, I don't think we're screwed though because I know he wants to stay away, but maybe he won't work. Well, then if he doesn't work, then I'll try and attack him again and get away. I don't think the situation is going to, he didn't have teammates behind. So I don't think the situation would arise where he doesn't work and he sits on and then we just get caught. So, you know, I'm just going to roll the dice anyways. If I get if I get away from him, I think I can time trial to the finish. And that's what happened. And... You know, had I not made that move, the other thing I was thinking of too is he, I was thinking, might be a little bit snappier and punchier than me. And the last climb to the finish line was more of like a steep little kicker. And I wasn't sure if I could stay away from him on that. But the hill I got away from him on was, excuse me, was a little bit longer, less steep, better for me as a larger rider and just gassed it and when I got away from him and like would look back and see the gap getting bigger and bigger I was like freaking out and so so freaking pumped and uh you gotta shock yourself and it was really like a a great moment that I look back 
And Wayne, man, I have the most respect for you. You're such a awesome racer in upstate New York that so many people looked up to. Uh, it really meant a lot to me to be able to beat you. Um, super humbled that day for sure. It was just awesome. So have the balls to win, as this guy said, and just roll the dice. All right. So blaze through some of those. Keep the questions coming, and we'll be back with another one. Got a good question coming from the Netherlands again. And I got to hit this other one up on teenager training. Uh, that's a good one. So talk to you guys soon. See ya.